Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. Good morning. Hello, how are you today? Excellent. So good to see you. I have good news for you. Pastor Ricardo is not dead. If you're worried about that. He, uh, he called me yesterday afternoon, and uh, I didn't answer the phone because I was busy cleaning toilets. Um, and that's gross. Both cleaning the toilets and answering the phone while you're cleaning the toilet. So he texted me and said, call me right away. I have to talk to you. And I've known him so long that if he says that, I'm like, oh no, something horrible has happened. And I called him and he said, just so you know, I'm not feeling well. I took a COVID test, but it's negative, but I'm not sure. And I don't want to be infectious if I am. So can you preach tomorrow? And I said, tomorrow, as in tomorrow? Um, And he said, yes. And I said, of course, I can't wait. Yeah, I'd I'd be happy to. And because I've been watching the series, why not us calling along with you guys as we've got to talk about this idea of why can't we do something great for God? Why why not us? And uh, he texted me this morning and said, I I don't have COVID, but we let the church know that I'm okay. Just have a head cold, but I'm staying home sick. And I said, sure, I'll tell them that. But I'm going to tell you guys the truth because he's not here. Whether you're watching online or whether you're in the room today, he's at home getting ready to watch the game. That's what it is. He's like, got his couch ready. He's getting his snacks all set out, making his tamales and his pico de gallo, which is amazing, you know. And so, Pastor Ricardo, since I know you're watching this, we love you. Get well soon. And we can't wait to see you back here next Sunday. So thank you for letting me kind of pinch hit this morning with you guys as we talked about this idea of what it means to uh, continue the series, Why Not Us? Since the start of the new year, this has kind of been our theme, asking this big question. And the question is for all of us, both as a church and as individuals, Why Not Us is all about realizing that we must believe that God can do anything through us. God's work is not reserved for special, talented, or extra gifted people. You don't have to be a pastor or a worship leader or an usher or good with kids or even good looking. Some of you are like, thank goodness for that, right? I know myself, I'm like, thank you, Lord. Uh, God's work is something that any one of us can do. But for us to be able to do it, we have to be willing to do it. That's the key. For us to be able to do it, we have to be willing to do it and say to God, yes, I'm available. Use me. Uh, When I first thought about the part I would play in this question about why not me? Why, God, what can I do? And this has been a question I've been asking all of my life. I grew up, um, in case you didn't know, like the, the deep backstory of Pastor Dwayne, I grew up uh, the, the grandson of a, of a pastor. My grandfather uh, was with Youth for Christ for many years. He was an evangelist when he was in his 20s, traveled all over the United States with my grandmother. They played accordion. He played the trumpet. He preached. She sang. My mom grew up traveling with them, singing with them. Uh, I was in church literally the the day after I got home from the hospital because my mom was the choir director. So I've been in church all my life. My, grand- my parents became missionaries at one point. In fact, uh, when my dad first became a missionary, it was this church way back in the day where he preached his very first sermon. It was meant to be, right? So cool. And uh, so I always had to wrestle with that question. God, what about me? What's my thing going to be? And the, what I said first was, no chance in heck am I going to do any of that. I was raised in the church all my life. I thought I didn't like church, but I was like, oh my gosh, it's so much work being a pastor. It's so much work being a missionary. Can't I just love Jesus in the pew? And God's like, no. 
I tried that. I actually did a lot of other things, worked for Disney and Microsoft. The guy's like, guess what? You're going to be a pastor. <laughs> okay, and guess what? I love it. But I had to answer that question for myself. Why not me? And it's a question that I still continue to ask because as my journey has continued, the question continually comes up, as it must for each one of us. Wherever we are at in our faith walk with God, whether we're at the very beginning or we've been doing it for a long time, we have to ask ourselves this question, God, what is it you want me to do and how can I get there? Because God is saying to us, I've got something for you to do. Are you willing to do it? Um, like the prophet Isaiah, I want to be able to say to God, here am I, send me, right? The problem is um, to be able to do that, I have to kind of put down the baggage of all the stuff I've been carrying all my life. Uh, I don't know about you, but you may not see it, but I've got baggage everywhere. I carry it with me everywhere I go. I've got that, like the uh, Pilgrim's Progress, the main character in John Bunyan's book, which is written in the 1600s, Christian is the main character, and he's got a giant burden he carries on his back. You do not see it, but the people sitting next to you, the people sitting on the couch beside you at home, whether you're watching on your phone in the car, whatever you're doing it, they've got a burden too. They've got baggage. They've got stuff they've been carrying. Uh, it's hurts, wounds of the past, um, but to be able to get into that thing that God is doing, we have to be able to say, okay, can I put this stuff down? To move into the new amazing place that he is calling us. The way to do that is to accept your past, wounds and all, and look to what is still to come. The word for this is this word acceptance. In his book, Coming to Our Senses, Healing Ourselves and Our World Through Mindfulness, psychologist John Kabat-Zinn uses this amazing definition of acceptance. Acceptance doesn't by any stretch of the imagination, mean passive resignation. It's quite the opposite. It takes a huge amount of fortitude and motivation to accept what is, especially if you don't like it. And then work wisely and effectively as best you possibly can with the circumstances you find yourself in and with the resources at your disposal, both inner and outer, to mitigate heal, redirect, and change what can be changed. Sounds pretty good, right? As a Christian, it has even bigger meaning because it shows that if I accept where God has placed me, if I work wisely and effectively where he has me today, right now, then I can be ready for where he wants me to be tomorrow. The trouble with this is that I am not good at acceptance, Maybe you are also are not good at acceptance. You see, when I tend to hold really tightly to the things in my past, both the good and the bad, which means I probably am not always ready for what God might be actually sending into me for my future. Everyone struggles with this idea of acceptance. It's hard to find commitment and joy when you're in this um, waiting place. Like, oh, what's happening? I'm between this. I'm just kind of in this meandering place where I don't feel like anything's happening. And all you can think of is, well, what's coming next? You may be in that place right now thinking, when is the service going to be over? Because the game's happening this afternoon. <laughs> you're in this waiting place. It's not easy to be okay with who you are when you're struggling with these old wounds and, and these new fears. I understand because when you're in this place, it's hard to say, why not me to what God wants to do? You can't say, God, why, what do you got for me when you're busy going, oh, but the past, oh, this hurts, this is painful, I'm not sure about the future. Maybe like me, you're carrying that baggage from the past. The journey you're on is just getting started and, and the suitcases of memories are going to get heavy. Acceptance helps us lay them down, 
and, uh, and bring only what we need for the actual journey that God has us on. With faith, much reading in the Bible, and other inspirational authors, um, a lot of encouragement and several amounts of uh, good, good, hard wisdom from my amazing wife, uh, I'm finally almost kind of okay with acceptance. I wish I could say I can fully accept who I am, but it's hard. But I try. I can accept who I am. I can accept where I am and what I'm doing. And I can see, with God's help, that I have a purpose. My hope for us today is that you will also see that as well. That you'll be able to look at where you've been, where you are, and say, I'm okay here. It's okay for me to be in this place that God has me at right now. All we have to do is accept who we are today. So will we be ready for what is to come next? All we have to do to quote a famous Disney song is let it go. Some of you said it. And now you're singing it in your head. The Apostle Paul, that is amazing. I guarantee you right now this is probably the first sermon that's ever tied in Elsa and Frozen and let it go with the Apostle Paul. He writes about this in his letter to the Philippines. Philippines. Philippians. Good for the Philippines. They need a letter from Paul too, but that's not what I meant to say. The Philippines. After writing to encourage the Philippians, Paul's writing to these believers here to be joyful and rejoice in every circumstance. It's a, a very familiar passage to us because if we've been a Christian for any amount of time, it's one of those passages you pull out when things aren't going so well. You're like, oh, but Paul says this. And he reminds them that there is no good in living in and hanging on to your past. In Philippians 4.13, he says this, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Now, if I was Paul, I could easily look at my past, full of hurt and hardships. Paul was lied to and lied about. He, uh, he had his motivations questioned by his own fellow believers. When he first became a Christian, he was hauled in front of the church, and they're like, what the heck are you doing? To Peter, Peter the apostle, looked at Paul and said, what are you up to, man? Imagine being called by God, face-to-face encounter with Jesus, and everyone going, eh, we're not sure about you. His sincerity and his faith was doubted. He was shipwrecked. He was uh, dragged outside the city at one point uh, to be stoned and left for dead. If anyone has a reason to hang on to his past, it's Paul. He goes on to say, though, I press on to reach the end of the race. That means he's going to forget the past and look forward. Never mind what has happened before, he says. It's time to press on and reach the goal. And what's the goal? Becoming who we were created to be. Becoming who we were created to be. Just remember that. There's no accidents in this room. There's no accidents if you're watching online. You have a purpose. God created you. He knew you before you were born. He sang over you, as the song just said. You notice what Paul does not say? He doesn't say, "Uh, well, why not me? And casually just walk into the future. Like, yeah, the future's coming. Why not? I can try something out. He says, press on to reach the end of the race. It's not a casual walk on a nice Saturday morning. If you've ever watched the Olympics... Uh, and seeing the, the runners on the track, sweating, tired, exhausted, but pushing their body past the breaking point to get to the end, that's the image Paul wants us to have. That's me exercising. Oh, God, I'm not going to make it. Oh, I've only got five seconds left of this workout. Thank you, Jesus, I'm alive. 
That's what Paul is saying. It's like pressing on, not giving up. You're straining for it. Why? Because letting go of the past and accepting who you are today and being ready for the future is not easy. Sometimes you hang on to the past because you love things about it. Like a well-traveled suitcase with all the little stickers on it. It's battered and bruised, but it holds a lot of great memories that you think you need for the journey that's ahead of you. Perhaps you loved the role that you had at a job or the friends you made. Maybe you have a hard time seeing who and where you're supposed to be today because yesterday was so darn good. I tend to be like that. I've been lucky enough to do some incredible things in my life. And it's easy to spend a lot of time relishing the good moments of my past. I'm a very sentimental person at heart. I love looking at old pictures of the past and the things that I've done. Uh, getting married, awesome. A birth of four kids, fantastic. A trip to national parks, driving into these places, and oh, wow, it's so beautiful. Uh, the time I was in a parade uh, in, in, down Main Street in Disneyland, that was pretty cool. But maybe you hold on to the past because you were hurt there. Someone wounded you. Someone betrayed you. It's hard to let that go because when you trust others, when you make yourself vulnerable and are let down, that pain goes pretty deep. And I get it. Yeah, I had some great moments, but I've been wounded pretty badly too. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about this time in sixth grade when I ran inside to tell the teacher that another kid had called me short. I was short. And that hurts a little bit, but I've come to accept the fact that I'm not super tall. I'm talking about the bitter wounds, the ones that are really hard to get over. And maybe it happened to you a long time ago and good things have happened, but it still kind of sits there, kind of meandering. And until this other thing comes along that God replaces it with, it just sits there kind of hurting. I got a wound from a girl who I broke up with. Uh, she broke up with me on our way home from a college choir retreat. Uh, maybe it wouldn't have been so bad if we weren't driving a van full of our best friends back to the campus, which was four hours away. So literally the most awkward silence in the history of the world. She broke up with me right before we all got in the car, and for four hours nobody talked while I had a silent tear run down my cheek. Do you feel sad? Yeah, you feel sad for me now. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I was broken. I was like, I got back to the school, and we had all conversations, and I was a mess for the I literally almost flunked out of my semester of college because I was so wounded by this. I thought I was going to marry her. Because that's why you go to college, right? <laughs> My parents were very glad that I did not flunk out of college. But it came close. So long after college, I'm still like, oh, I'm going to find the perfect girl. I, I, I dated someone else. And it turns out uh, that this was also an unwise choice. Um, <clears throat> because she was younger and me. I was much older. And she didn't get along with anyone in my family. And at one point, um, she tried to drive over me with her car. I never was a very good judge of, of, dating, of, dating, of dating people. Um, that should have been a sign that the relationship was not a good one. But I ran after her. Oh, come back, come back. I look at that now, I'm like, what the heck was I thinking? And I was heartbroken. My brother was married, my sister was married. I was alone. I'm like, I'm going to die alone. I was not that old. I was like 25. But I'm convinced it's the end, you know. Uh, right now, my daughter is, my oldest daughter is turning 23 this year. And I'm like, don't even think about getting married yet. You finish school. You get your career figured out. At the time, I'm like, I'm going to die an old maid, even though I'm an old man, I guess is the phrase for it. For the record, I did meet the most amazing woman a few years later. 
and we've been happily married. Uh, actually, it's been 25 years this year since we met. Thank you. Thank you. And married for 24. So God is amazing. And uh, even though I didn't do so well at first, my love life turned out pretty good. So here's what I'm going to say. Love hurts. We all know that. These big wounds happen. But there are many other things that hurt too. Lost relationships, lost jobs, lost moments. Maybe like me, you've had friends who just stopped speaking to you one day. Maybe you've lost a job for no reason that, of anything that you've done, but just because they don't like you. So bye-bye. And you loved the job. Maybe it was layoffs because the company closed. I don't know. But these big things happen. And I just realized as I'm saying this, that this kind of sounds like the episode of Seinfeld where they do the Festivus, where it's, you sit around and you tell all the reasons why you don't like people. You complain about everything, the airing of grievances. You know, all that's missing this morning is for just to have a Festivus poll here. We've got the complete thing. Because all it sounds like is this complaining of, oh, the past is horrible, and this was awful, this was awful, this was bad, this is bad. And yet, that's not the point of it all. The point of it all is, yes, we've all been hurt more than just once, and all of us have gone through there. But we can't keep looking backwards at these things. It's helpful to look in the rearview mirror as you drive, right? It's good. You, oh, that guy's behind me. Okay, good. Oh, that guy's driving really fast. Driving up here this morning, I was convinced I was going to get... I drove a, our Fiat up here this morning. Tiny car. It would fit on this stage. Um, and there's bigger cars driving much faster, and I'm like, oh my gosh, at some point I'm like, we're going to get killed on the way to church today. Because these guys, but I didn't spend, I can't spend my life looking and driving in the rearview mirror, seeing what's coming up after me, right? Because if you do that, you're going to end up in one of those accidents that used to be on the TV show Chips. Remember that? When I was a kid, I was convinced everyone died on the LA freeway, because in Chips, anytime a car got in an accident on, on the freeway, it flipped over and burst into flames. I'm like, I'm never driving. I don't want that to happen to me. The only way to make it down the road is to what? Look ahead. Maybe it's time that we start looking there because that's where our future lies. As Paul says, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Forget the past and push to the future because ahead of you is what matters. There's something right ahead of you in the road, and you must not miss it. This is your why not us moment. It's right in front of us. Maybe it's the next big love of your life, the next big adventure that God has for you. Maybe it's just the day where you get to clean the toilets, and you think nothing's going to happen, and then you get a phone call that says, can you preach for me tomorrow? <laughs> why not me? Why not us? Whatever it is, it's where you are now that matters. The promotion that you did not get is behind you. The person who broke your heart, behind you. The blank that keeps you blank, behind you. I can hear what you're thinking. I mean, I, I can't actually hear you, just so you know. Uh, but I know you're thinking this. It's easy for you to say that, Pastor Dwayne. You are a pastor. So God makes it easier for you to let go of the wounds and the hurts of the past. And let me just say this in response to that. <laughs> oh, God, no, no, no. It doesn't happen that way. I wish that was. I wish it was that way. I wish that because I'm up here preaching that I could say that I've mastered it and, and I don't hold on to the wound and the hurts of the past. But I can't say that because then I'd be lying. I am very wounded and battered and bruised. And because of that, I have sometimes changed the question from why not me to why me? Maybe you've done that. 
Because the wounds of our past, the hurt and the pain, it's only the smallest part of our lives, but it's all sometimes that we allow ourselves to see. In our humanity, we forget to focus on this bigger picture, this pushing on toward the future like Paul says for us to do. We get so busy thinking of the ones who did these things to us, even though they probably stopped thinking about them long ago. Do you ever think about that? These people that wounded you, you still remember everything about them, but I guarantee you they haven't thought twice about it in 20 years. I still remember the first and last name of the kid who bullied me in fifth grade because I was short. Surprise. <laughs> but he doesn't remember me at all. It's okay to be wounded. It's okay to be hurt. But acceptance looks at these wounds and these hurts and says, it happened, and yes, it stinks, and it's probably unfair, but it doesn't define us. The wound is not who we are. If you're struggling with this this morning, let me give you another bit of encouragement from, yes, the Apostle Paul. There's a reason why he wrote so much of the latter half of the Bible, because he could speak to where people are at, whether it was in the first century or whether it's in the 21st century, saying, this is what God is trying to get you to understand about the Christian life. Yes, accept Jesus, have the eternal life, but the eternal life begins the moment you accept Christ. The life that's to come begins that moment, and here's how you're going to make it happen for yourself. In the book of 2 Corinthians, he writes, that's why we are not discouraged. No, even if outwardly we are wearing out, inwardly we are being renewed each and every day. This light, temporary nature of our suffering is producing for us an everlasting weight of glory, far beyond any comparison, because we do not look for things that cannot be seen, but for things that cannot be seen. For things that can be seen are temporary, but things that cannot be seen are eternal. Wow. Paul reminds you and I that we don't need to be discouraged or give in to the temptation to be bitter. Where we can't see it, God is doing something so incredible and, and so wonderful, and, and the wound that is causing us so much pain and heartache today, he is busy at work doing only what he can do. One day, you're going to look down and see that it's healed. I grew several inches between sixth grade and high school, but I didn't notice at first because it was gradual. I didn't suddenly shoot up, but I grew enough that someone calling me short no longer hurt me. However, I am still very aware that I am not tall, uh, but I am, however, average height. For a woman. <laughs> when you cut your hand, eventually the wound turns into a scar, right? You need a small cut you have. You get a little, how many of you have like little, little tiny weird scars all over your fingers because you were too Evan, excited about like cutting an avocado? Oh, just, just me? Okay. Three years ago, I, uh, was, we were placing doors in our house, and um, I tend to be kind of, a, I'm not a super handyman, but I can fix things. Show me what's wrong, I can fix it. Fix a washer, dryer, stuff like that. And I think like, I could take it apart and rebuild it, but oh, it's a small thing. So I was like, I'll replace the doors myself, got a new door, seen them, everything's great. And, and I was going to ch chiseling out where the uh, hinges go. And a friend of mine had just bought a brand new set of chisels. And so I did for the first three, and it was like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I am so good at this chiseling thing. Chisel, 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 chisel. And any of you who are smart are going to know that you don't do what I did and hold your hand on the opposite end where the chisel is. So you're doing this. Because that sharp chisel goes right through the wood. Guess what also goes through? Flesh. Very, very uh, quickly. At first, I thought it was just a minor cut, um, but it went from, the, my, um, from my thumb all the way to the middle of my hand. And I'm like, oh, it's just a little cut. 
but I mean, it's really blue. But I ran to the sink, kind of put my hand in the water. You know, like, I'll just wash it off. It'll be fine. And then I looked up like, oh, I can see inside my hand. And I'm not the blood guy in the family. I'm the vomit guy in the family. So I deal with vomit. My wife deals with blood. She walked into it. What did you do? She looked at me and she goes, holy. And we ran to the uh, urgent care. Uh, wrapped in a towel. I walked in like this. And just I could see inside my hand. That's not normal. And it scared, the, it scared me. I don't, I'm not, I, I've never had a giant wound on my body. I mean, I, little tiny cuts and stuff like that. I have never had a broken bone. I had my adenoids taken out when I was in the first grade, but adenoids are like, okay, whatever. So no major surgery. And all I could look at this thing, and I started seeing spots and getting dizzy. And my wife's like, you look horrible. I'm like, I feel really bad. I walked in, and they saw the towel covered with blood at the urgent care. Like, no waiting. Come on in. And I walked back, and the, um, uh, the cut was luckily not deep enough to do any major damage. I uh, hadn't had any nerves or anything like that. God is good. Even when you're bleeding to death, God is good. Um, he determined the stitches would just take care of it. So at, at nearly, I was almost 50 years old at the time. I finally received my first stitches. Yay! <laughs> my kids have had them, like, all over the place. Um, my hand looked like a Frankenstein's monster for a while. It was gross. I mean, this did, you know, argh. it was perfect. It was right before Halloween, too. So, like, I have my costume. Um, and it hurt and ached. But here's the interesting part. It's not pretty, but the wound is, is gone. What's there? It's a scar. I see it all the time. I'm reminded every day when I see this, you're not good at chiseling things. You are good at other things. And God wants you to focus on those other things. Scars are reminders that you can move on, that you were created to heal. Yes, our bodies do it, but so does our mind, so does our soul. God created us to be healed by him as we move into those new things. That's what God is trying to do with these things of our past. The scar will always be there, but in time, even it will fade. When I first had it, it was bright pink and very ugly looking. It looked angry at me all the time. Now, I have to kind of put it in the right light. Oh, there it is. I can see it still. Remember, God is at work doing his healing and working his way in the wounds and hurts of our lives. We may not see it happening. We may not even realize he is doing it. But when we allow him to work out his good and perfect plan for us, the wounds and the hurts and the pain will heal. As Paul says, they are light and temporary. So for us to be able to say, why not us? We have to say no to bitterness. We have to resist the temptation to remain angry at the pain, refuse to reopen the wound, because inwardly we are being renewed every single day. And eventually we look around and realize what's happening on the inside is now visible on the outside. And it's better and more wonderful than anything we could have thought possible while we were busy focusing on the wound, or as Paul says, far beyond any comprehension, which means it's pretty darn awesome. When we reach that point, when we realize the hurt and the pain of the past is now part of us, we're finally in the place that says to God, God says, hey, who's going to change the world for me? That's when we can honestly answer, why not us? All it takes is, oh, all it takes is a few things. Letting go of the baggage from the past. Letting go of the wishing for something better tomorrow. Our job is to press on toward the mark to strain toward what God has ahead of us, 
to open our lives to what is happening right now and embrace who we are right now, where we are right now, and what God is doing in our lives today. He promises to give each of us exactly what we need for this day. The Bible doesn't say anything about, hey, I'm going to give you everything tomorrow. God's like, I got enough for you right now. Take care of today. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Don't worry. Jesus, in fact, said that. Don't worry about tomorrow. Today is enough trouble. So let me give you everything for today and just deal with it. Be okay where you are right now. Because the future, he's got it figured out. Uh, There's an old song he used to sing. I may not know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. And if that's true, why worry? Perhaps you'll find a way to mend a broken relationship from the past. Maybe you'll lose the weight that you want to lose. You discover a talent was already there, ready to be used all along. Perhaps you'll help someone else and renew your faith in God's promises and gifts. Just remember that you don't have to be perfect. You can be, like me, a hot, broken mess with lots of wounds in your past. You can have all the baggage and pain, and God will still use you. In fact, He will be able to use you in bigger and better ways because you're relatable to people. All of us are broken and wounded, and when we pretend we're not, there's no reality in that. That's not the life that God has called us to. He doesn't call us perfection. He is perfect. Our job is to strive to be like Him. I don't know why I leaped right there, but I did. (laughs) I guess I want to leap towards what God has ahead of me, right? Accept today for what it is. Accept yourself for who you are right now because one day you're going to wake up, maybe today, and God is going to say to you, okay, you're ready for this new thing. Let's go. And this is your why not us moment. When this happens, my prayer is that you will find yourself in the same place as one of my heroes since I was in the third grade. In the third grade, I read a book that forever changed my life. Not the Bible, because I started reading that when I was younger. It's called The Hobbit. And it's not because I relate to hobbits. I know you're all thinking. (laughs) The character of Bilbo Baggins is so much like all of us who are waiting for God's best thing. Someone shows up on his door, a wizard, and says, hey, I've got a plan for you. You're going to become a burglar. You're going to join these dwarves on an adventure. And what does Bilbo say? No, thank you. No burglar. No adventure. I don't want any of this. He sends the dwarves on their way, the wizard on their way, and he goes back to his life of comfortableness and ease. And if you remember the film, doilies. Doilies are not about adventure. When you're worried about your seat, less than you're worried about the excitement that God has for you, you're missing something. But on one morning, Bilbo sits there. He wakes up and realizes he must join the dwarves on their journey. It's compelling to him. He cannot sit there on the sidelines any longer. With great excitement and joy, he races through Hobbiton, and someone yells out, Mr. Bilbo, where are you going? Bilbo shouts back with glee, I'm going on an adventure! That morning will come for you. A whole new journey, a whole new experience, a whole new world. Yeah, I did it. That's two Disney songs. A whole new life to accept. It will have arrived. 
So let go of all the things of yesterday. Put the baggage down no matter what it holds. It may be great memories or big tears. It may be things you love or things that cause you to wince when you think about them. But whatever they are, you won't be able to say, why not me to God if you keep holding on to them? Our job is to reach out to him and we cannot reach out if we're busy holding on to the past. So put them down. (laughs) Accept who we are today because when we do that, When we do that, we will be ready for all the things he has in store for us. As it says in the book of Job, if they obey and serve him, they will spend the rest of their days in prosperity and their years in contentment. All we have to do is let go. Why not us? Why not us? Happy journeys, journey. Let's join this adventure together. Stand up with me, please. Anybody wounded in here? Anybody have a past that they've got some bad things to happen? Great, good, God, awesome. God loves you. Anybody have a great day today? A great job they love? Things are going well for you? Great, God loves you. Wherever you are, wherever you're at right now, God is saying to you, are you ready to take the next step? This whole idea of why not us is not just about a church, it's about a person, and each one of you have been called by God to do that next great thing. You just got to let go of your past. Don't hang on to it anymore. Whether it's good, whether it's bad, let it go. Like Paul says, let's strain for him, reach out to that future that he has called us to, because that's what we were created for. Will you join me in prayer? Let's pray and ask God to give us the strength to put down our past, to let it go. And if you need extra prayer for that today, please stop at the prayer tables. If you need someone to pray with you about the wounds of your past, please join us in prayer for that. If you're online and need to reach out to someone, please let us know. We will pray for you right now. But let's all pray together and ask God to help us. Strain toward that great new thing to answer the call, why not us, with yes, us, we're ready right now. God, oh, on this beautiful day, we say thank you for where we are at right now. We thank you for our past, whether it is wounded or whether it was wonderful. We thank you for the things that have happened to us, God, whether our hearts have been broken or whether we have found joy in every moment. God, whatever we have faced, It's behind us. We don't want to look past us anymore. We want to look to the future, to where you've called this church, to where you've called us as individuals, to go on this grand adventure that you've called us to. It's not easy, God. We know. It's hard. It's hard to let it go. But you've created us to do that, and you've equipped us through your Son, Jesus Christ, to cling to him and to hold on to him instead of holding on to our past. So God, today we say, okay, why not us? Yes, why not us? We let go of our past. We move beyond where we've been. We say thank you for today. And God, we strain together. We strain together toward the future that you have created for each one of us. We love you. We celebrate you. We thank you. And God, yes, We are going on an adventure, and we cannot wait to see where you take us. This journey is going to 
be great. In Jesus' name, we all pray. Amen. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.